I'm Tara. And I'm Austin. And we're a married couple. And we are here to lovingly snark on Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas lineup for the 2022 season. And we are here today to talk about this little movie that we watched called In, in Merry Measure. measure. <laughs> Is that appropriate? Should we sing it? Oh, In Merry Measure. Hark the Herald. Yeah, so this is like our pitch perfect movie. We'll get into all of that. But before we do, we want to take the first opportunity here to review last weekend's movies. Right. So week three movies, we got to do our snark trap wrap up. And to remind everyone what the ranking tiered ranking system looks like, let's start at the bottom and work our way up to the top, Tara. Yes, we have five tiers. We have Snooze Fest, which is the worst. Um, then we have Bad But Snarkable. One of my faves. Middle tier is Watchable. Then one step above that is Watchable On Purpose. And finally, the top tier is Annoyingly Good. So we are placing all of the movies this season into one of these categories. And there were four movies in week three, which is last weekend. And we have we have our official rankings for you. We do. We are ready. Tierings. So let's start with our Friday night countdown to Christmas premiere, which was a magical Christmas village. This one had so much promise for me. It was about a little girl who they have a Christmas village at their house. And as she moves the little people around, it actually makes the people do those things. And she right. makes her mom fall in love with this guy. It, the magical realism, the whimsy of it was like so promising. But guys... This, this this one did not live up. I mean, there were, that's my snoring. I re- <laughs> you you definitely have a better you you have a more quiet sleep than I do. <laughs> um, yeah, it it just it felt like there were so many missed opportunities with playing with what the Christmas Village could do, right? And there was just no chemistry with our leads. And I said, if I were this kid playing with this little Christmas village, she was really nice to her characters. I would have been like, like Sims in the pool, take that ladder away and see if they die, you know, but she was, we, we could have gone a lot of cool different places with this movie, but instead it just ended up being a, a snooze fest. Yeah. I, I kind of wanted like a Beetlejuice thing where it's like, maybe if like someone Ooh, could go live in the magical yes. Christmas village, but like just, the snow globe movie that yeah, we love. So I much. love snow globe. It's a, it, that's a bad, but snarkable, but lovable movie. Right. So, but it was not bad. So for us, we rank this one as Snooze Fest. That's the bottom tier, y'all. Um, the next Saturday movie for Countdown to Christmas was Lights, Camera, Christmas, which if you haven't already, we did a full podcast on. So check out our last episode. But we ranked this one as Watchable on Purpose. Yep. Um, and you can listen to our podcast to find out more about why we ranked it as that. The Sunday night movie was All Saints Christmas. Right. This is our New Orleans-based jazz movie starring Ladisi, who is a jazz singer and she is rekindling a romance with a former romantic partner that she meets when she goes back to her hometown but it looks like they're getting engaged when he picks up a ring and hands His it back to her goes out on him and so they end up having to fake date because the press gets a hold of it and then of course the fake dating becomes real dating what ah, so it was it was cute i would I liked the jazz. Uh, I liked um, our our leading lady definitely knew what she wanted and did not did not put up with things. So I liked that. She told it like it was. Right. But I also didn't find her to be a compelling lead either. She was a little bit stiff in her acting. Definitely. I got a sense that she was a person I would want to be friends with, but it was a little hard to watch her on the screen. 
Yeah, and um, so, so overall, while I liked that there was not like a heavy Mardi Gras emphasis of New Orleans, I also felt like New Orleans wasn't really present in this movie. Well, it let New Orleans be present as the city that it actually is outside of Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. which maybe wasn't as interesting because we haven't right. been there yet, but we, we're going we're going soon. So we're going to get to see a so little maybe, bit yeah, of it ourselves. Maybe I should but. hold that judgment. <laughs> but either way, we we thought that this one was on the, the watchable tier. Right. Middle tier, definitely. The music was really good. The writing was good. Um, there's a lot there, but, you know, work on a puzzle, do some baking while you watch this one. Exactly. And then our Movies and Mysteries, Which Miracles of Christmas. The Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Was a Maple Valley Christmas. And this was the horse girl movie where <laughs> <laughs> we saw that there was like a cowgirl and horse. And that's about all I really knew. They have a maple syrup farm in Montana. Which, cool. Sure, okay. Yeah. I, I was interested Honestly, to learn about that. I was kind of like, oh, some promise. And, you know, I don't, I don't mind uh, Andrew Walker at all either. So I was like, okay, maybe let's give this a chance. And um, there was zero, like, and I talk about chemistry between leads a lot. There was none. There was a lot of lead chemistry with her and her sister. (laughs) I thought they were going to get together. And I was like, oh, they're sisters. They can't. Again, if this had been a lesbian movie, I probably would have different opinions about it. It But I say that about a lot. It would have been great as a lesbian movie. Um. I will say the surprising factor for this one was it had one of the earliest kisses of a non-second romance kind of vibe. They kissed in under 15 minutes yeah, of the movie. Yeah, they kissed very early on. Like, I was like, They've known each other for happen. less than a day. It was crazy. Um, but overall, the it just was like old, old tropes, no mm-hmm. chemistry, and kind of unlikable characters. With, and slow. Yeah. So um, snooze fest for sure. L- literally for me, y'all. Yeah, you tried. I fell asleep in the middle of this one. And (laughs) I was not actually watching it at 10 o'clock, which would be a a normal reason for me to fall asleep. But we were watching it in the afternoon and I was just like, And you're not a napper. No, I don't nap. But maybe I could put this movie on to make me go to sleep. Yeah, so if that's what you're looking for, do we have the movie for you? As always, you can find our current rankings on hallmarksnark.com. If you go to the ranking section, it'll show every movie we've ranked so far. And uh, we look forward to hearing your thoughts. So let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Well, let's talk about In Merry Measure. Yeah. Um, this was the Friday night premiere. And I I went in not having high hopes because singing movies for me are so hard. They can be a little tedious. So Austin, why don't you give us the summary of this movie from the Hallmark website? All right, so what we have is when pop star Darcy returns home to spend Christmas with her sister and niece, she unexpectedly finds herself coaching the high school choir with her one-time rival, Adam. Ooh. But as per usual, that is not the full summary. We're going to see if I can remember. Break it down for everything us. Everything that happened in this movie. Okay, imagine me just like standing here kind of like shaking myself out, ready to go. Because I did. I did not write down a summary for this one. It did not work out well last time. (laughs) All right. So Darcy is a former pop star. She has a hit song called Sugar Rush, but everything else hasn't really been hitting much since then. Everybody just wants to hear Sugar Rush. And um, she is heading home for the holiday season to spend that time with her sister and her niece because their husband passed away and they want just some family time for the holidays. So she goes home and she finds out that her niece is really disappointed that she did not make what the Christmas singing group. I don't know what they are, but it's some sort of singing group. So she goes into like 
talk to the teacher about why he cut her before she even got to finish her solo and finds out that it is her former rival from the same group because they were in it as kids when they were in high school. He's now the teacher who directs the group and he's like the the choral teacher at the school. And she is, of course, the local celebrity come home for the holidays. So their solution to this, because he is not going to let the niece, whose name is um, Megan, he's not going to let Megan into the group. She's going to create her own group. So they audition some ragtag singers, they create their own group. They get rolling on like pulling the musical goodness out of these kids. The kids end up doing a, a good job. They, they become a good little group. They do a little performance. They meet up with the kids in the other group, decide to go rogue and become a mega group with both groups. And that leaves Darcy and Adam, the teacher love interest in charge of this group together, collaborating, talking about their past and maybe the rivalries that they had in the past, going out on a little date, a little datey date, having an almost kiss, but then she pushes him away and it's like, ooh, but I'm trying to go back to New York and restart my singing career because that's what Darcy does. She's always trying to go on to the next thing. In fact, she has a big meeting with a big potential music contract because she's really going to make that pop career happen, but it happens to be on the same night of the performance performance for the music group and she's going to have to miss this important event for Megan, for Adam and for the team that she's created. She goes and she sees a t-shirt that's been put in her bag that says Coach Darcy and she realizes that that's where she really wants to be. So she heads back home. She shows up just in time for the performance, which is a competition. The kids win it again for the seventh year in a row. Darcy and Adam kiss and they live happily ever after. And Adam wears glasses. <laughs> Very important to the plot. That, that I should have said that at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> well done. So let's start with our sparks for this movie. I'm going to start with just Patty Murin. She was a delight in this movie. She was. I mean, phenomenal voice. Mm -hmm. And also comedic timing was really good. She had a lot of cute one-liners and she played them really well. And her acting felt really authentic. Like she felt like a genuine actress. I, I felt like she was really into the role that she was playing. Yeah. And I think that also is bleeds into another spark for me, which was just the general sister family dynamic that existed. There was just a lot of cute, authentic moments. I really liked that they were spying on Megan when she was on a maybe date <laughs> and betting whether or not she was going to kiss the boy and like the sister puts the $5 that she won from the bed in her bra. It was just like little moments that felt more like you're seeing into a real person's life. And I just thought that they also played really well with each other. You could see their little family traditions, like having the gingerbread houses with the gingerbread person makes a gingerbread house, a gingerbread home. And they yeah. said that together. Um, they had their little home alone moment when they were doing the hair and they were talking about home alone. And then they kind of, they go, ah! Ah, you know, <laughs> so they were really cute together. That's also, I think part of that uh, just, like authenticity that I felt from, mm -hmm. from both of them. And I think a lot of people were also calling for the sister to get her own. I would love, I would watch it because she was a good actress. She was really well. good. Um, I also thought that um, Rick, who is Adam's friend. Oh uh, yes. The football coach at the school <laughs> was a great character. He was, I wrote down a note about him. What did you write down about well, him? First and foremost, I liked him in this movie a lot more than I did in, in uh, lights, camera Christmas, where he was the <laughs> creepy mayor. Yes. Um, this Rick was a much more refreshing character. And the reason I liked him was because one of the first like long scenes he has with Adam is talking about how his first concert he ever went to was Celine Dion because he just wanted to sing so much like her. 
he loves he loves like to emote i feel like yeah. he wants to just go home and have a good cry as, <laughs> they do talk a lot about crying in this movie as a side note that like the kid cries a lot and that the mom cries a lot and then it's okay and it's like it's okay to cry right uh, but he probably cries a lot and he said to her when they have like a little pre-contest party at their house he comes over because his son is in the group and he says um he's talking about Darcy's album she's like oh yeah you listen to Sugar Rush because that's everybody the only song of hers that everybody knows he's like no your album from four years ago it like really touched me I've never heard a more thoughtful meditation on what it means to be a woman (laughs) in today's society and I was just like this is a man who just gets in his bathtub with a glass of wine and is like sing to me Darcy yeah I I was like, oh, you you support women. Mm-hmm. And I, and because he was the football guy, you, it could have gone in a different mm-hmm. way. So I appreciated what Rick represented and, and how he showed up in this. Right. Um, I also liked the fact that his real life son was also like Megan, the niece's love interest. They had a cute little romance. They did. I did say there was no way that they were going to kiss before the main couple. So that romance didn't get very far. But there was like a hug in a car. So... um. The only other like small little spark because I thought it was funny was going back to the gingerbread mm-hmm. house. So they're building these little gingerbread homes and the sister is like ribbing Darcy and she's like, don't you need to make little gingerbread cockroaches to make it your New York home? And Darcy like comes right back and is like, no, I don't have cockroaches. The rats keep them away. And I was like, that's so funny. They were just like <laughs> for a movie that um, it was trying to be pitch perfect, I think, or a little Very bit like the Hallmark so. version of pitch perfect. Um, if you've not seen that movie, it's delightful. It's hilarious. You should watch it. It's a full-blown like Hollywood comedy. This is obviously the very, very watered-down Hallmark version at Christmas. But it was trying to have a few of those little comedic moments. And those did hit really well. Um, they were few and far between. Mm-hmm. But I did enjoy them. Same. I also think, like I said, the, the singing in general, not just for Darcy, but also all of, all of the songs that were done. Normally, I am very bothered and I think it's terrible, but everything sounded good and it wasn't oppressively singy. Right. Because if you're going to do that, just make the full blown musical, which is what I have been asking for for years. Because I think instead of doing like their big destination, they should do a full blown musical Hallmark Christmas movie. That is a thing that you want. I don't think I'm alone in this. That is not a thing that I want. (laughs) Just think about every musical episode I've seen of any TV show and they are not my favorite. Like the. The musical episode of um, Grey's Anatomy. Well, that's because they can't sing. Well, yes, but so you would hire people who could sing. You think that Hallmark is going to find those people? I don't know. I mean, they found I, let's, Patty Murin. Let's, they bring in a lot of Broadway they have, folks. They have. I I will watch it. I will snark on it. I will be excited if they do that because it will give us content for days. Well, and I'm just hoping it'll be as good as the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but that's a really high standard to hold musical episodes to. Yeah, that's so. like a tier above amazingly good or whatever, <laughs> or annoyingly good. That's like amazingly good. Yeah. Um, I had two other small sparks. So one, and mine is a spark that really segues into snarks, but I'm going to leave it as a spark, which is I do like enemies to lovers as a trope. Mm-hmm. Hallmark is never going to do it at the level that it really needs to be done at. I really like an enemy slovers where it's really an actual enemy or or like a really strong rival, but you have to match the energy of the enemy to the passion of the love and Hallmark doesn't really go into passion. Yeah. So you would have this like really strong enemy and it doesn't swing far enough to feel balanced, so they have to keep it very light on the enemy because it's very light on the 
passion. So they, they don't ever get there. Um, and then also just, I know I said at the beginning, but we had a male lead who wears glasses. And he Through did take them of off. And once he became like our romantic lead, he takes them off, which is which really is annoying. As a glasses wearer myself, they are on all the time, even when I go on dates. With and you know what? Hunks. I find you beautiful with your glasses Thank you. on. And I wore my glasses on our dates, all of them. I know. So he wore them and you know, here he is in his little glasses and then he takes them off when it's time to get romantic. But I like that they were there. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of snarks this time. We do have a lot of snarks. There's some snarkable content here. I, I had a lot of notes um, for a couple of reasons. Mainly, I'm a teacher and there were some red flaggy <laughs> teacher things here, but um, let's start small. Let's let's start with the beginning. Let's start. Let's start at the very beginning. <laughs> the Sugar Rush song. Right. So we start off with a very Darcy Christmas. She's singing in like a lounge to she's, her she's, lingering fans. She's clearly not that big of a star. Not anymore. Not anymore. Like she's singing to a, a very modest room full of people. Yeah. And they're like, play Sugar Rush, because that's the only song she's known for. And so she starts playing it. And... It was not a bop. It was, I mean, they eventually shifted it to the background music and it was better, but like the live performance, quote unquote, live performance of it, it was a really bad Katy Perry ripoff sound Mm -hmm. and it didn't, it didn't highlight anything good for me at least. So it wasn't really believable to me. I I get the sense that she's a one hit wonder and that like. She's kind of holding out for more. It might be a wise decision for her to move home and become a choral teacher instead of pursuing the path that she's on. (laughs) But the movie does not want us to think that that's the path that she should be on. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the Sugar Rush song was not good. I will say there was another song that she sang that was was better. That was actually a better song. But this is the snark segments, not the spark segments. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about just the setting in general like the props department thing all of that was, it i do think this has to be one of hallmark's lower budget films of this i season. think they spent their money on patty or all of their props were somewhere else um they were like <laughs> you know they have one truck full of props and they just cart it to all of the different exactly. sets it's well they're in the same location so i think those were like all being there's got to be some other movie that was being filmed at the same time that has like double the the decorations because this one had wall balloons and like deflated wall balloons. Half deflated wall balloons. So like they had these like ornament wall balloons and they were just like taped up on the walls trying to make this school look festive. And it just, it looks sad. And then like in the choral room where they're singing and practicing, there are these large inflatable Christmas ornaments that are like the size of like a big beach ball. And I do not believe for a second that those would have lasted in a high school setting for more than a day. They would have gotten spiked into the or a another teacher kid's face. Would have taken them away because, like, they'd either have been popped because students can't handle it, or the teacher would have been hit in the head too many times, or mm-hmm. instruments would have been knocked over, and they should have been confiscated. So I did not believe that those were real for that school. And you know why I believe that? I gave my students some boxes because I thought high schoolers are basically like kittens and toddlers. If you give them boxes, they'll play with them. And they were. They crawled around inside of them. They played with them. And it was not five minutes before I had to say, please do not throw that box at people. And I'm talking like a box the size of like a a washer dryer, like those big boxes. They were throwing them at each other. So they had like a box war. They had a box fight. They were throwing them. So they would have absolutely thrown these giant ornament balls at each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Speaking of the set, though. Let's talk about the music room, Tara. <laughs> it was a library. <laughs> what gave it away? The words read on the wall <laughs> and all the books on the bookshelves all around the perimeter of this music room. Yeah, they like what stuck 12 guitars <laughs> in front of a bookshelf and called it a music room. It was like, y'all. Uh, I mean, maybe the school just doesn't believe in literacy and they only believe in music. They said, we're not going to use this library anymore. We're going to turn it into a music room. No, but I was like, (laughs) you can't fool me, Hallmark. I am a high school librarian. That is a library. Well, you you definitely geeked out for your second because you were looking at the chairs that they had. And I was like, oh, I want those. Those are the ones I have that I want to get for my library. And sure enough, it's because they were in another library. Yep. (laughs) And uh, I was going to say one other like big set issue for me and now lights camera christmas has given me the language for it which is this movie clearly had the bad snow team (laughs) so out in front of um darcy's sister's house there's these bushes they're covered in quote-unquote snow it is definitely just like white flocking material right and it's very squared off yeah it's and it's 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 not even it's not good which it's a Hallmark movie, so I get it. However, that's typically when it's in the background. They had multiple scenes where they were putting on lights on these bushes or where there's like a kiss or almost kiss around these bushes. So the bushes were a very central focus and they were terrible. It's like, then just don't put them on the bushes. Right. It was just, it was silly looking. You know what else was silly looking? What? The coffee mugs. And I know they're silly in every movie, but this one, I was just like, he has this giant coffee mug and they always, Hallmark always pulls out these like huge coffee, tacky, ugly coffee mugs with like so much whipped cream on top of them. And he's got a candy cane stuffed in there and it's a coffee. It's a coffee drink. It's not even a cocoa. It's not even a cocoa because it's always cocoa. And um, I was just like, can we just, does anybody in these movies just drink their their coffee and cocoa out of a normal sized mug? Nobody's running around with a travel mug. Like a little, little Contigo mug? No. You can't see the whipped cream when you do that. No, I know. You've got to, you got to fully expand. It's got to be tacky. I will say, though, the coffee with the whipped cream and the everything did remind me of that cocoa we got when we were in Scotland. Mm-hmm. It was that big. Yes. So, like... Maybe that's just like a thing. I think that's a thing. There was one other really distracting prop thing for me. What was that? There was a serious moment in the choir room or whatever we're calling it, um, where Darcy and Adam are kind of like sharing. She's like saying like, I haven't been a pop star. I haven't had a record deal in years. I'm struggling. You know, it's this real moment. And the way they framed it was really, I just didn't like how they did it because you've got Darcy on screen left. You've got Adam on screen right, and they're pretty far apart. And in the middle is this very big tree with dozens and dozens of little elf legs sticking out of it. Like, because that's the style of the tree. And it was just like so funny. It disrupted this serious moment. I was like, why do they have an elf leg tree in the center of this shot? It was distracting. It was very distracting. Okay. So those are my set snarks for this one. you know, a lot of this is typical Hallmark stuff. And what else is typical Hallmark stuff is the plots of the movies. But that's, <laughs> that's the bulk of our snarks for this one fall under really two categories, which are the singing group that we have here and the relationship dynamic between Darcy and Adam. Yeah. So we're going to start with the singing group because you kind of have to understand our thoughts on that first. Um, we, we, I, They're all wrapped into each other. I think I have bit. 10 different bullet points in my notes about <laughs> things that were just like, what? 
what? What? Why? Why? Well, yeah. So let's start with the singing group because I do think that that frames a lot of it, which is, you know, we've got the the Herald Angels mm-hmm. choir group that is award winning six years in a row. And the niece can't make the cut. Because she goes into the audition and she freezes up and she's not singing. Anytime we see her sing in the early part of the movie, she's she's hunched over. And it's not on key. And it's just it's. And they the people in this movie, especially Darcy, don't seem to understand what an audition is. They're mad. They feel like she's been slighted because she can sing. She just knows it. Um, but, you know, if you go into the audition and you don't actually sing. Then that's a problem. Like alert you don't get in the group because you may be able to sing in a vacuum in your bathroom but you have to be able to get on the stage and perform and she's not able to do that there's no harm no foul in that this just may not be for her well and then darcy gets this brilliant idea to take all of the cut cat like auditioners and form a competitive group She's like, ready. She does an audition with them. She goes to the principal and leverages her local celebrityness to be like, allow us to compete against this already well-established group mm-hmm. in two weeks' time. I've not heard any of them sing. But I know they can. But I know they I can. I know I can see it that they can. <laughs> and so, like, and she was like, Megan, do you think they can sing? And she's like, I think so. Um, we come to find out, no, at first they can, none of them can All of sing. the auditions are terrible. Yet yeah. Darcy is still holding that she believes that they are I mean, singers. she's wincing as they're singing at her. And I was like, girl, they can see you. You should probably like neutralize that face a little bit. Because <laughs> she was just going, ooh, that's so good. No, it was not. And then her way of testing them out when she kind of puts them into the group is like, let's sing the song. And they sing. And of course, it's terrible. They have no music. They've yeah. had no instruction. She's just like, okay, go into a four-part harmony. And obviously they can't. Some of them sound like they have no experience. How would they know how to do that? Um, but she's going to mold them. Right. And then she starts talking to them about a self-fulfilling proce- prophecy, which is like, if you think you're going to fail, then it's pretty much guaranteed you will. And then she says, and the reverse is true. And she doesn't expand on it. She just says, and the reverse is true, which means if you think you're going to win, it's pretty much guaranteed you're going to win. And that is the worst life advice that I think you can give. She's teaching them about two things here, mindset. And also there's this sort of magical teacher idea that like every student just needs a teacher to figure out like that one cool trick that will then make them into being like the coolest or the best at something. So with Megan, the cool trick is like Megan is really shy. So she just needs to turn around and think that nobody's listening to her. And then magically, oh, she is good. She gets her confidence. So this woman walks in within like three days and has like turned Megan into basically the best singer at the school overnight. And I think that gives us a really false perception of what teaching can be, that it's just like, I can figure out this one cool trick, then I'm going to be this amazing teacher. And it doesn't usually work that way. Right. And it's also like, you know, not everybody is destined to be the thing they think they should be. Right. So it's about how you put in work to achieve goals, but recognizing your goals might have to adjust based on what you can do. And there was no work for this ragtag group of None at all. I mean, so she was going in, I know you can do this, guys. You can sing. You can sing. And then when she discovers that Megan can actually sing in this like shower singing scene. She looks genuinely surprised. 
like, oh, you actually can sing. I've been lying all along, but it's true. You've manifested it. And it's it. like, you were the one saying you knew it. So why are you surprised that she, oh, wow, you actually can sing. Yeah, girl, you've been saying you should have known that. But the the also the, the cool, like, you can sing moment is, you know, she's taken this group of kids who, again, because they can't sing, I have no sense that they understand how to do harmonies or anything like that. But then she puts them on the spot and makes them sing. And they do a perfect four-part harmony for the it song. Was, yeah, she with gets no a, practice. She gets them on the stage. She's like, "Do you guys want to sing? Yes. Do you like being on the stage? Yes. Do you want to sing against another group? Yes. Okay, then let's do it. Let's hype. Here's your note. Boom, go. No direction. No, no practice. Mm-hmm. And, and they're instant. harmonizing like pros. And it was actually really good. It was, which is why it was so jarring because at no point had we seen them practice. You don't just pull that out of your butt. <laughs> You know, that, and that's, that's, the and it was theme complex harmonies too. It wasn't even just like, we're all singing the same note together. And they had a beatboxer. I mean, the girl is like beatboxing perfectly when she couldn't yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> At least you would think the beatboxer would be on it, but no, she like suddenly figured out how to beatbox with them overnight. And I mean, I guess it's like this whole movie is flawed with weird timelines because she's trying to do this group two weeks before they go to this major competition that. Even once the groups then merge later down the line, which we'll talk about in a few minutes here, they ha- like they change the final arrangement up like a day like, before the big concert. Yeah. Well, apparently, <laughs> if you can just magically learn songs overnight with no practice, I guess you can change the main lead song for your competition and everybody knows it and it's perfect and you still win. So, I mean, I was not in high school choir, but I imagine, I believe from what I recall of my friends who were, they spend like the whole semester or year depending on where they're competent working on those specific songs so i i this is where i want to say that this high school choir is not dance moms they're not taking them out of school and just like making them sing until they fall over every day for two weeks so they can do a competition in like the shortest amount of time possible these are kids that are in school and every performance group i have ever been in you would spend all semester working on something. So to do these merges and change up of the songs and all of this with the two week timeline is just not going to happen with kids Mm-mm. who have lives and families and school obligations and other things going on. You, you, and also along with that, I, we, we kind of posed the original group at the beginning and his group as being like the establishment, but also the villain. Like he's been running this program for a really long time and we're just kind of discounting that. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one thing this man has in his life is how good he is at running his, <laughs> his little choral group. Yeah. And so it really is, is doing a disservice to who he is and the work that he does to be basically like, yeah, but anybody could just walk in in two weeks and, and do what you do. Right. He's built a program. He's you know, done registrations for this competition. He's built a reputation. He has a process for doing that. He has a way that he does the music and the choreography. But no, I can just walk in off the street and and do the same thing and and better in two weeks. Yeah. And it's like, I get why he wouldn't be happy with her about it too. Like it felt reasonable for him to be a little upset. Because it's all he has. (laughs) It's literally all he has. That and those glasses that he eventually takes off. Right. Um, I think one of the cringiest moments for me, as we kind of focus on the singing group, is Darcy's at at a pizza restaurant with the group with her sister and she's like guys you just need to practice singing in front of people and she stands up at the pizza pizza restaurant she's like hey um I have this choir group we would love to sing you something you guys good with that and then they just do it and I needed anybody or what everybody in that restaurant had to be thinking was no I'm good I needed any of them to just (laughs) say it like 
no, I'm enjoying my pizza. Please don't ruin my dinner with your high school choral group. <laughs> yeah, it was just like not. I have never gone out to a restaurant and been like, God, I really wish that my local high school group would do a pop-up singing moment for me while I'm here. Right. And they sang one song. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, if you want to see more, come see us at the high school Friday night at eight or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like looking at Austin, zero percent of those people are going out to the high school after that 30 second song to be yeah. like, wow, they're really good. Let's go to the high school and watch this choral performance. Like, no, that's not happening. No, unless they were like the parent of someone. Right. And then they were already going to go. Right. So let's let's slide on over and talk about. Darcy and Adam, because the the dynamic and just immaturity of decision making that's on display is why there's so many problems with this. Right. So the fact that, you know, sight unseen, Darcy's coming into town, finds out her niece is cut, doesn't really understand why she's cut, tells her lies. Yes, you can sing without actually understanding that she can sing. Does the same for these other group members and creates a rival competing group competing competitor based group singing group to do a sing-off because she wants revenge for them against her old villain arch nemesis adam right and he i think sees her more as the arch nemesis than she sees him right that's fair as the arch nemesis but he is because now he has the power and you know before he was definitely second fiddle to her in their musical group he now is like I'm the teacher. I can do what I want. And I had a reason for doing this. And there, there is some legitimacy in what she's saying to him. I don't mm-hmm. want to completely discount. She's like, you know, you're a teacher. You need to kind of maybe be thinking about the underlying reasons why this kid might not have been able to perform at the audition and let her at least try to finish the audition. Um, and she really is coming from a place of, you know, she's probably not taught a lot of people before. She really is like wanting to see the best in people. Um, and he's maybe a little more jaded because he's been doing this for a while and he has a sh- he has a show to run. He has a job to do. He has a, he has a competition to win. But he just I wrote down multiple times for him just like mediocre white man. He did. I mean, he was trying to list off like a comparison. He was, you know, she's this pop star, even if she's not had a, a big hit. She still established herself as someone who could make it in the industry. And he's like, I've been here and I have taught a choir group for six years. For six years, <laughs> which is, I mean, in all honesty, which is great. Great, but right? he was trying my, to make it. In my it... real life, I would be impressed by that. But I'm not a pop star, right? It's like standing in front of you know any of the judges on The Voice, and then saying, "Well, I was in a clarinet like con- jazz concert, and the governor shook my hand when I was in eighth grade." Right. It's just not the same. You, and that, by yeah. the way, that is a true story. I did oh, play did. for the governor. <laughs> well, you could just see him. You could see his insecurities. You could see that he was not reacting well to his insecurities. Like he, I think, does have a crush on her and he is then threatened by her success. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a healthy dynamic that we're setting up for them. And I don't know that I feel like it gets adequately resolved to where I'm pleased with how this relationship ends up. Well, and I think the reason it's so unsatisfying is because they're doing it in front of the students. Mm -hmm. They're having these really terrible, unprofessional and petty interactions with one another. So like when the the students come together because they realize, oh, wow, you have talent. Our teacher and Darcy are not doing well. Let's merge the groups. They're the ones that are like telling hey, you know what, you guys, it, y'all need to chill out. 
we're going to work together. What a that's great concept. We're more likely to experience success. <laughs> and they're like, I guess we'll have to listen to the children. I get the sense that he's very like, this is my way and I'm used to doing it. And he softens a little bit for her. But the only reason I believe that he's doing that is because he wants to get in her pants. And Hallmark <laughs> isn't going to let us think that, right? Because this is a very, you know, Hallmark is PG rated. But that's what he wants. And he's going to go right back to being how he is. And yeah. she's also got some stuff she's got to work through. I mean, I'm not, I'm not buying into where her career is going or how that's all going down. We'll also talk about that. But, you know, not yeah. loving the dynamic between these two characters. Yeah, I mean, chemistry-wise, it was a little bit there. But again, I, I think your, your comment about the enemies to lovers just doesn't work here because they can't have passion on either side of it. Right. You, in a Hallmark world, you can't be so overtly mean you're unlikable. And that means you can't also have like wild, passionate love on the other side of it. Right. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I, I felt like all of their decision-making was just rooted in um, unresolved self-confidence issues mm -hmm. and really modeling poor examples for their students. Even, even like when you get to the end of the movie, you know, they have their first kiss off stage while the students are singing and then they kiss on the on stage. On the stage in front of everybody. And it was like, that's, that's not the setting. No. This is a school competition. Yeah. Like, no. Do that backstage. Mm -hmm. Even backstage was a little bit like, ooh, no. Well, yeah. I had problems with them being backstage in general because they were talking at normal volume while, while people, people were performing, performing. Yeah. and they were like in the wings they weren't even like off the wings of the stage and i was just like y'all are being disrespectful and when darcy comes back mm -hmm. she like they're talking over this musical performance that she flew back to see she doesn't even get to see it like she sees like busy talking and kissing and i was just like she has other priorities shush woman and let those let those kids make you proud <laughs> anyway so can we talk about Kind of where this all wraps up and, and how this yeah. all goes down. Let's talk about it. Um, Because at the end or towards the end, like they go on a date. They go on. I, I like that we're, again, seeing more dates. Yeah, there was so an actual her out, date. Yeah, that was great. Takes the glasses off, takes her to a restaurant. It's time to get, what, not hot and heavy, but like mildly warm and heavier-ish. Um, why, why things have got to be heavy? <laughs> <laughs> so, and when they get back, you can see he's going to make the move, right? Like, we're going to get the kiss. And she she immediately is like, no. Because yeah. she says that she knows that she's going to go back and she's going to start her singing career because she knows she's got this meeting to potentially sign a contract. And she's like, I don't want to... I, I'm feeling this. Like, I really like you. I want this. But I know that I'm leaving and that's not fair. And I'm like, why did you go on the date? Like that seems and like. And she didn't even say it's not fair to you. She said, I'm trying to protect myself. Right. So why go on the date in the first place? Right. Like if you're trying to protect yourself, just give a polite no when he asks you out on the date. Don't go on the date and then be like, ooh, no kissing. Or when he asks you out, say, I'm really interested, but now is not the right time. But I would like, if you want to still go out for dinner and talk, I would love that. Right. It was a weird moment to turn down that kiss because it's one thing if they go out on the date and then they do some kissing or they like spend a couple nights together and she's like oh but we're not gonna lock it down because i'm moving on to something and then they like get like, mad let at it each be other. a little fling but just to do one date and then say mm, I, I don't know that, that was weird to me it did feel weird um let me just throw out another snark around the ending so normally in a lot of these movies we get the kiss the applause cut scene this time, no credit. <laughs> this time we get the kiss, we get the applause, 
And then we get this like original song that we had heard earlier in the movie, the one that we liked. Mm -hmm. And they do a flashback montage of scenes from this movie. And it starts with the New York bagels. She's holding up the bag of bagels. (laughs) Look, I brought you these bagels from New York. In case you forgot. (laughs) Just imagine like Sloan Moe were playing the song. And it's like slow motion Darcy holding up a bag of bagels and laughing. And And then, oh, I'm putting a gingerbread man on this gingerbread house. It was like. I just watched this. I don't need a reminder of everything that happened. It definitely felt like, oh, this movie came up 45 seconds short. So (laughs) they had to just like, they took out a scene or something and they had to cram this weird little montage thing at the end of it. It was, it was weird. It was weird. And honestly, I think it was a missed opportunity because this movie did have the um, product placement of Campbell's soup in it Mm -hmm. uh, while they're making mashed potatoes. I couldn't tell if Campbell's soup is trying to have soup like mm-hmm. cream of something put into mashed potato. I don't know. But I was like, it was a, this should have been in the, the flashback loop so that just Campbell's, all the Campbell's soup. <laughs> so references. that they could have gotten another ad moment. <laughs> or they could have played Sugar Rush and played some of the like funnier moments. Then that would have been at least more delightful to hear Sugar Rush and like them being home alone, like putting their hands on their faces, yeah. and screaming, you know, or the kids singing. And it was just, it, it was a weird disjointed flashback montage. Or I guess in a singing movie, the way you end it is you have the kids all like up on stage singing a Christmas song and that takes you mm-hmm. out or something. Absolutely. And then if those are all the big smarks or uh, snarks, I have one really weird little snark that came up that does not fit anywhere else in the Ooh, conversation. Tell me, had. tell me, tell me. But and, and listeners, you if you watch this movie or if you haven't yet watched this movie, look out for this scene. They're walking into their date. They're walking into the bar or whatever. And it's. You know, it starts with a scene outside. You see them walking in and you can hear like the tail end of their conversation. And all you hear is her say, what did you use your points for? And then he says, goldfish. And then they walk (laughs) into the bar. And all I want to know is what on earth they could have been talking about. What rewards program do you get gold? Now are we talking about? What kind of goldfish? Are these edible goldfish? Are these like he just has aquariums in his house? Because we never see his house. I don't know. (laughs) I want to know. There's so much that's left out of this. What would you be talking about on a date where you would say, what did you use your points for? Goldfish. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I really want to know more about that. And I think I will die not knowing the answer. Yeah, I don't think we're, I think it's going to be an unresolved mystery for sure. And I'm very sad about that. (laughs) All right. So I think that wraps up our snarks. So let's talk about will this love last? No, (laughs) it will not. And he might be ready with the right kind of submissive woman. She is going through, if she's making a career shift and doing all this and changing her priorities in life, she's going to be a sucker for that, but it is not going to work. Yeah, I think they have a lot of unresolved conflict between them. They clearly are petty at the start, not strong communicators in the middle. And I think that's going to be problematic. So I think that they will date, but I don't think it's going to last even a year. His ego is going to get in the way because she's going to do something musically and he's not going to be able to handle that because of her fame that she gets different and better opportunities than he does, whatever those are. They can't both have the exact same job and he's going to be too competitive. He feels like a jealous type Mm -hmm. and she's going to be on the road on our next big tour. And he's just going to be like, you're sleeping with your backup vocalist or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, Title review. This this title is fine. I have some better ones. I want to hear your better ones. Okay. I have three. You can pick which one you like the best. Okay. A pitch perfect Christmas. Okay. Christmas with Glee 
for a gleeful Christmas. <laughs> so I see you went for the obvious, <laughs> obvious. Uh, this is pitch other perfect. media. Yeah, I mean it is pitch perfect. Um, I would say the Christmas sing-off would have been Ooh. what I would have gone for because there was not a lot of merriment in this, and mm-hmm. so in Merry Medley felt like it was going to be a little more joyful mm-hmm. than it was. Yeah. And then what are our ratings for this? How many sparks and how many snarks? Let's start with sparks. Let's start with our sparks. I think it's a three spark. I was like, it's a three. Yeah, it's like it's not it's not two and it's not four. So it makes it three. That's how math works. Yes. <laughs> um, and in snarks for me. I think this is a four or five snark. I, I don't know where you're feeling on it. It's pretty high I, it's up on the snark It's definitely, it's like, that's what I'm trying to figure. It's like. It, I th- when I think about a five snarker, I think about the Christmas ring. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that this quite tips to that, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a strong four for me. So I'm going to go with four snarks. I think it's it's a, it's a four, but it's one of the fouriest fours we've had this season. <laughs> it's a full um, four. <laughs> it, it, even though there's others we've given a four to, this is, this is more snarkable than those. So. Yeah. All right. So um, overall in our tiered ranking system, where would we put this one? I would put it as watchable. I think watchable for me too. Yeah. Just I, based on our spark and snark ratings there. And I do, I mean, I do think that this could be watchable on purpose for other people, but for us as the snark household, this is just a watchable movie. If you're one of the people that music pulls you in a little bit more then this will probably go more into the watchable on purpose mm-hmm. for you because, you know, especially like kids when their kids are singing, like I do think that there's an appeal there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, watchable. Agreed. All right. Well, I think that about covers it for us on In Merry Measure. If you want to follow us and find more of our content. You can do so on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Hallmark Snark as our handle. You can also visit our website at hallmarksnark.com. Send us a snark mail. Let us know your thoughts. And as always, please leave a review um, or at least just give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So as always, I've been Tara. I've been Austin. Merry Christmas. And happy holidays. Happy holidays.